Well, we're on this series, and it is titled Made for More. Made for More, and this uh, message is titled Made to Dream. And whether you know it or not, you were made. You had a mother and a father, and they got together, you know, just like Miles, we have this baby dedication, and you were made. Now, I'm not going to go into detail how that happened this morning, if you guys don't already know. You can ask your mom or dad, they'll tell you. But I just want you to acknowledge this morning that you were made. And as Christians, we have insight beyond that. How awful and terrible, how sad would it be to be just made? Just have a stamp put on you, made in Canada or wherever, and that's it. You're forgotten about, right? Thankfully, we are made for more. Do you know that Scripture is full of God's promises? It's just full of them. Promise after promise after promise. God made you with a plan and a purpose, and he made you for more. We see in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. This is a very well-known passage because it is inspiring, and it is God speaking to us, telling us that he has a plan and a purpose. We were made by a great creator, the Lord of all who has no beginning, no end. You know, God is described as infinite, it's hard to imagine how, how great God really is. Right? He always was, he always will be, and he created us. Jeremiah chapter 29, 11. Now we're going to look at Psalms chapter 139, verses 14. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Why do we praise God? It says right here, we praise God because we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I have this image of God just taking such care, such craftsmanship, fearfully, just trying to get everything just right, just so. We are made so well, so well as humans. Our ability to think, we question things, we have body, soul, mind, spirit, it's all rolled up into one so perfectly. The human being as a creation is amazing. It's a testament to how much care God took in making us. Like I said, God is infinite. He's so big. He made the universe, the entire universe, the stars, the earth, the plants, the animals. He made all these things, but he saved his best creation for last. And on the sixth day, he created man and he created woman. And he said, it is good. It is good. We were made and it was good. If you've come in here today believing a lie, over the course of our lives, we can hear many lies. Things can be told to us. You're no good. You'll never amount to anything. There's something wrong with you. You're dumb. You're ugly. And the list, it goes on and on. There's no shortage of negativity in this world, is there? And often the people closest to us can tell us these lies. It can be our parents or family members, friends close to us. And we end up believing them. If you come in here today believing these lies, I want to encourage you by telling you that God made you for more. You are more than the lies that you've been told so much more. And you need to start listening to the voice of God, the voice of truth. Jesus is truth, and he has way better things in store for you than these measly lies. God has a plan and a purpose just for you. Let's open up with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we come to you this morning, and I just want to give this message to you, God. I just want it to be from you fully, God. We invite your Holy Spirit in here today, God. Open up the skies above us, God. Open up the skies of mercy and let your Holy Spirit fall down on us, God. 
Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your mercy. Amen. Let's look at Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. God sets us all apart. He sets us apart to do His will, to live a life fully engaged with Him. You know that saying, hindsight is twenty-twenty. This is so true, and I've seen it so many times in my life. Sometimes when I'm going through a struggle, going through a hard time, I question if God is really there. And if God is really there, why would He let me go through such pain, such heartache, such suffering, things beyond my control. Why, why would God allow this to happen? But after the dust settles, and I've gone through the valley, and I'm making my way up the other side of the mountain, climbing, and I look back, I can see how through that trial, God was working all along. And he was making something in me that was so much greater than myself that couldn't have come about without that trial. Sometimes a little bit of distance makes everything seem so clear. Psalms chapter 37, verses 23 to 24. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Amen. I've seen this in my life as well. If our focus is on God, and we just have this laser focus, following after him, doing his will, and we spend time when we bask in his presence, in his glory, in his wonder, he won't let us fall. He makes firm our steps. He is a firm foundation and step by step is on solid ground. And sure, we may stumble sometimes, but we will not fall and we will not faint because God is holding us up. That's the great thing of a walk with God. We have a permanent support. We have a helping hand. And we need that through these trying times. People always say, my walk with God. When they're referring to the relationship with Jesus, they're undergoing, they say, my walk with God. And this makes a lot of sense because he leads us step by step, right? He lights our path. But it would be more accurate to say, my run with God. Because we are called to run a race. And we are called to run the race and win the prize, which is eternal life with Jesus and eternity. And we need to be running, pressing, right? So I ask you today, how is your run with God going? How is your run going? Not your walk, your run. Are you struggling? Are you running out of breath? Are you taking a break? Are you sitting on the sidelines? How is your run going? If you do these things, is this going to win you a race? No. If you watch a marathon, and they all line up on the starting line, and they're ready to go, and they're in that stance, and then the gun fires, and all of a sudden, one guy might start taking the steps forward, Another guy turns around, walking the wrong direction. Still another guy goes to the side, sits down at a table, has a coffee, taking a break. Another guy's sitting there spinning around in circles. It's kind of like when little kids are playing hockey. There's that one kid, you know, not quite with the program. You would watch this marathon. You'd be like, what is going on? This is ridiculous. This makes absolutely no sense. How are these guys going to win the race? How are these guys even going to finish the race with this mentality? Can I tell you something? As ridiculous as this example seems, I believe this is how a lot of us are running in our relationship with God. We are not truly committed. We're running out of breath. We're sitting on the sidelines instead of just getting in there and fighting. So I ask you again, how is your run with God? When things get tough, the tough get going. 
What do you do when troubles come? What do you do when you face trials? Do you run and hide under a rock? Do you get fearful? Maybe you get angry and bitter. What do you do when these tough times come? Do you get full of anxiety? Do you want to run away and hide, right? I, this is how I have been sometimes in my life. But I have learned through a walk with God that when tough times come, I say, bring it on. Bring it on. Come on. Get with the program. James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Not lacking anything. Consider it pure joy. Pure joy. So that the trials may create in you and finish a work so that you may not be lacking anything. I want to be someone who does not lack anything. Doesn't that sound like someone you want to be? Someone who has no shortcomings, no faults, someone who can overcome temptation, live a righteous life? Are you unsatisfied with your life? Are you one of those people that look around at what everyone else has? Maybe they have a really nice house or a really nice car and you're like, man, I wish I had that. Or, man, I wish I had made as much money as they did. Or I wish my kids were as well-behaved as their kids are. Behind closed doors, their kids are not that well-behaved, trust me. Every kid is still a kid. But we can have these thoughts and we can say, why is my life not going that way? This mindset of wanting more of what the world has, it's not what you were made for. You were not made for more of the world, but you were made for more of God. You were made more for more of God. We all have this hole. We have this void inside of us. There is a chasm created, and the only thing that can fill it is the love of God, a relationship with God, a walk with God. And what you need are more trials. Yes, more comforts and luxuries are not what we were made for. We were made for more trials. Now, you might think, Burton, what are you talking about? That sounds awful. You get up there, and you're preaching, you're trying to spur us on. You're like, more trials. And I'm like, yeah, just stay with me for a second, okay? When you're in a trial, and when you're fighting, and when you're overcoming it, you have laser focus. You are on fire. You feel alive. You are running that race. On the other hand, when you're just coasting, and life is easy, and your mind can wander, and things just, you know, you don't have to work for them, what happens? You can backslide. You can get off course. We all know that those who complain remain, right? And we don't want to be people that grow cold. We don't want to be people that lose sight of our walk with God, run the race. God made us to run a race, and this race produces endurance. My daughter, Rebecca, she started running up a hill right by where we live, and it's a pretty big hill. It's a good distance. I think it's like five kilometers. just runs uphill the whole way. And at first she started running, and then she would walk a little bit. But my wife, Lisa, encouraged her, keep going, keep running, don't give up, don't give up. And day by day, the run got a little easier, and her time got a little shorter. She was producing endurance in her running. And this is what endurance does. Endurance makes big things seem small. Endurance makes the impossible seem possible, Right? With God, all things are possible. And in our human minds, we're like, how does that even make sense? But it's because of the endurance. It is making things possible. 
Unfortunately, we live in a world with first world problems where we can take these small problems and we can just blow them up. It's like that saying, making mountains out of molehills. And we have these problems and we focus on them and they grow and they grow and they grow and then this just comes this huge mountain. We don't know what to do with it, right? But Jesus says, speak to your mountain and the mountain will be moved. Amen? That's what we are supposed to be doing. Speak to our mountains. We face a trial. It seems like the biggest and the hardest thing in our life. But if we pray and we worship God through it and we praise God because of it, then it gets smaller and smaller. And we keep running our race and all of a sudden that mountain becomes a molehill, just a little piece of dust on the path. And we kick it aside and we keep on going, pressing on towards the prize. Your faith being tested produces endurance. And endurance allows us to overcome. We're called to be overcomers. So the next time you're facing a trial, take the advice of James and start praising God. Start dancing. Start saying, yeah, bring it on. We got this. You, me, God, everyone here around us will support you and we will be overcomers. That's who God calls us to be. Amen? The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This is what Job says when he's going through such a struggle, such a hard time. Praise God when the blessings come. That's the easy part. When God blesses us and he provides for us, we're amen, hallelujah. But it ain't so easy to praise God in the hard times. But God is the same God. Same God in the storm, same God when we're in the valley, same God when we're on top of the mountain. He is the same God. He deserves our praise even then. And that will give us a greater reward. Do you ever notice when people go through a struggle together? Maybe they're in a relationship and they go through a tough time and they experience it together. What happens? They can grow closer together. The tragedy, whatever it is, can bring people closer together. You see this in war with soldiers. They're fighting along a side and they become brothers in arms. And there's this like amazing relationship that lasts a lifetime that is built. Why is this? Because it's the pressure, it's the heat, it's the struggle of the situation that can bond things together stronger than anything. It's like when, when we have metal under intent uh, and pressure, and then what does it happen? It forms together, it becomes one, it unifies. And in the same way, this is what happens with God. When we learn to press into God during the struggle, when we learn to seek Him more, this is when God reveals His character to us. We all want to know the Father more. We all want to be closer to God. And what we need to do in those tough times and in those trials, we need to press into Him. Not turn away, not run, not hide, but come to the Father. Be open and honest with Him. Press into God, and He will press into you. God has a plan for each and every one of us. Sometimes the plan for our life can be deferred. It can be delayed. We can know that God has something for us. He can have showed it to us, but we're just not experiencing it just yet. When this happens, it can lead to frustration. It can lead to anger. It can lead to bitterness. It can even cause some people to fall away altogether because they just give up because they're not seeing it. Can I encourage you today, if God has called you to something, it's going to happen. If God has called you to it, he will take you through it. If God has given you a dream, you're going to see that dream come true. Amen? If God has given you a promise, it will come to happen. It just might take some time. There's a story in the Bible that follows a young man named Joseph. Now, as a teenager, 
Joseph had these dreams. And in the first dream, he dreamt that his brothers were all bowing down to him. And he has another dream where his brothers and his mother and his father, and they bow down to him. And his father says, Joseph, you're crazy. You can't be saying these dreams. Like, first your brothers, now me and my, your mother are going to bow down to you. And Joseph is like, okay, well, I have these dreams. I believe they're from God. Well, because of these dreams, his brothers get a little jealous. And they take Joseph, and they throw him in a pit, and then they end up taking him out of this pit, and they sell him to this caravan that's going by, and he's sold into slavery. And Joseph is shipped off to Egypt. There, he's just a slave. He's serving his master. He's not seeing his dream being fulfilled. Instead of having people bow down to him, he is bowing down to people. He is in a lowly position. He's there for 10 years. But during that time, Joseph is faithful, and he's making the best of the situation, and his master is trusting him more, and he's doing the right things. But then it all comes crashing down, because after that 10 years, his master's wife accuses Joseph of sexually harassing her, and he's thrown into a dungeon. Now, when you're thrown into a dungeon, you are left. You're unwanted. No one's going to remember you. You go there to die. You go there to be forgotten. That is his punishment. He's falsely accused. So what does Joseph does? He continues to be faithful. Even though he is so far from that dream of his brothers bowing down to him, he continues to be faithful. He prays. He works on his relationship with God. Two men come to Joseph. The royal baker, the royal wine taster, and they're like, Joseph, we have these dreams. We, we want you to interpret these dreams. And Joseph's like, really? I'm in the dungeon and you want me to interpret your dreams? He says, get lost. I'm not listening to you guys. No, that's not what happened. I'm trying to trick you guys here. But it speaks volumes to Joseph's character that when he's going through these trials and he's going through this storm, that he takes the time and he does interpret these dreams. And sometimes when we're going through stuff and we're suffering, it can be all about me, 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 me. And we can't see a way out of it. So it's important that when we're going through those struggles to still be used by God. Because Joseph knows, I have this gift from God. I can interpret these dreams. So he listens to the dreams and he interprets them. It's not so good for the baker, but the royal wine taster, he gets his job back. And then a little bit later, Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt, the guy who's number one in command, he has a dream. And nobody can interpret this dream. And the wine taster's like, oh yeah, I remember. Joseph, that guy can do it. So he says, Joseph can interpret your dream. So Joseph comes, he interprets the dream of Pharaoh, and just like that, his life is turned upside down. And he is placed in command over everything, second only to Pharaoh. This is amazing. But still, he has not seen his dream come true. He still hasn't seen it. He's in a good position, things are going well, but he hasn't seen it. So they have seven years of abundance. And during this time, Joseph is gathering in all the grain, gathering all, preparing for these seven years of famine that are to come. So seven years pass by, and then two years of famine pass by. So nine more years. And finally, Joseph sees his brothers coming. Ten of them, tail between their legs, they're hungry, they're looking for food, and they approach Joseph. He's in charge. He's the one in command. And they bow before him. And Joseph remembers his dream. It comes true. After all those years, 21 years from the time he had his dream to the time he sees it, yet God was faithful. And Joseph endured, produced endurance, and overcame. Talk about waiting. Talk about having a dream deferred. Now, if you've been a Christian long enough, 
Hopefully you've been lucky enough to see God give you promises and have them fulfilled. But if you're waiting on a promise, can I encourage you today to just hold on a little longer? If God has promised you a healing and it looks dim and the doctors say, there's no way that's going to happen. Maybe they've written you off altogether and say, no, it's your time to die. Prepare. Can I tell you today that if God said he's going to heal you, then God can heal you. Amen? God is the same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He's still the God of miracles. How can we read the gospel and see the early church and all those amazing things that happen and not believe? And yet I still hear people talk. And people say, you know what? What happened in the early church, that was meant for that time. That was just that time back then. Right now we're living in a different age. Things change. But God does not change. God's promises does not change. God's word is still the same. Forgive me if I still believe the Bible in its entirety for what it is. Because some people don't. Some people want to change it. But when Jesus ascended into heaven and he left his physical body, was no longer present, at that moment, something came to completion. That was when the Holy Spirit was released on earth and it gave us more power than we ever had before as human beings. More power. Let's read John chapter 14, verses 12 and 13. Very truly, I tell you, Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. Wait a second. Everything Jesus did while he was on this earth, all the miracles, all the healings, casting out demons, raising people from the dead, you will do these things, and even greater things. Because I'm going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Praise God. All of a sudden, Jesus goes to his Father in heaven. And we as believers can do whatever we ask in the name of Jesus. There it is. These are the words of Jesus, who is God in human form. If we believe part of the word, we must believe all of the word. We can't pick and choose. Taking the word of God and having it fit our own views just to make everything make sense, that is called religion. But taking the Word of God and allowing it to transform your mind, be transformed by the renewing of His Spirit, right? Our minds are transformed. If we allow that process to happen, and all of a sudden we conform to His will, that is called faith. There are things in this world that God do, He does them, and our small minds, we can't comprehend them. We can't wrap our heads around them. We can't, we can't believe it. We're all in our mind. We're like, no, it's impossible. It's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And unfortunately, some people call it easier to dismiss those things. And they say things like, that wasn't really what Jesus meant. Or that's not really what the Bible said. Or that was just for that time, like I said before. But if Jesus said it, then Jesus meant it. If Jesus said we can do all things through him, then Jesus meant it. If Jesus said it, then Jesus meant it. There's no mistaking his words here. And when Jesus said he will do whatever we ask in his name, he meant whatever. Whatever. Because that way the Father will be glorified in the Son. It's amazing when we see things happen in the name of Jesus and God gets the glory. It's not for you, it's not for me, but it's for his glory. Do you want to see Jesus high? Do you want God to be glorified? Then go out and do miracles. Jesus left this earth, but he did not leave us alone, thank God, right? Jesus left behind a helper who he calls the Holy Spirit. 
And this Holy Spirit will give us greater power. We are not left alone. We are left to do great and powerful things. There is no limit to what we can do. So I say it again. If he did it before, he can do it again. If he did it before, he will do it again. Amen? Are you believing? Are you want to see today the Holy Spirit move in power? Yes, today. When we go out into the world and do amazing things in the name of Jesus, that will be our testimony. We were made for more than being empty vessels wandering around in the dark. We were made to be filled with the Spirit, Holy Spirit running in the light.